Well, here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name, of course, is Eddie Cohn, host, creator of The Spiritual Spiral. Amazing conversation today with the lead singer, creator of the band Geographer. I got to speak with Mike Denny just a few days ago, and we have an amazing really thought-provoking conversation, at least I thought it was. I I really enjoyed it. And and I think, you know, I've had the opportunity to speak to some of my favorite lead singers, bands, and it's, I feel very lucky. I felt really thrilled that Mike agreed to talk to me on the show. And it's, it's a bit, I think after speaking to him, of course, I was thinking, gosh, you know, could, should I have asked him about this? Or should I have asked him about this or that? And, you know, I could have geeked out and talked about like, synthesizers for a couple hours because I'm a musician. Of course, I love talking about music. But this show is really about technology and the impact that it has on our lives. The iPad and the potential the iPad has on our lives can potentially be wonderful. But I don't think society collectively is really thinking about the impact that Netflix that Spotify, that Napster has had on creativity. I'm I'm intrigued to listen to other artists and how they're dealing with technology and Spotify and people's reluctance to pay for music, to pay for art. And, And of course, you know, Spotify and Napster may not be impacting artists like Taylor Swift and Drake very much, but... I do believe there's sort of those those types of artists that have seen some fame, that have some notoriety, that are potentially their livelihoods are being ruined by what's happening because of Napster, Spotify, Netflix. And, and Mike even talks about this, this idea of, of dreaming. I, I was watching Sam Jones a couple of years ago speaking to Ethan Hawke. And Ethan was really great friends with River Phoenix. And Ethan wasn't really an actor at first, but his best friend River, his acting career took off. And so Ethan made this reference where, you know, when you see one of your best friends becoming becoming successful at their craft or something that you're interested in, then you start to believe, well, I could probably do that myself. And so I get the sense, and I can't prove this, but if less people's dreams become a reality, if less people are able to make a living pursuing their dreams as an artist, then that means the quality of art is going to go down and less people are going to try and pursue art. And, and I see it around me every day. I, the quality of music is going down. And I don't know if it's because artists subconsciously are thinking, well, if people aren't going to pay for this, why should I put that much time into it? And I also think there's the distraction of technology. If you can't focus and go into a studio for three, four weeks and not be distracted by your phone, Instagram, Facebook, technology, or whatever, I do think it also plays a role in impacting the quality of art. And while Netflix may seem like this wonderful opportunity where for just 10 or $15 a month, you have access to all of this content. Sure, in a capitalistic culture, that may seem like a wonderful thing, but I don't think people are really thinking about how these subscription services are impacting creativity. And that's really what 
my show is about. I am not complaining about it. I am talking about something that I think we all need to think about before we just mindlessly listen to music on Spotify or just sit on our ass and watch Netflix all day. Because I do believe when the quality of art and the appreciation of art is at a high level, all of our lives improve. I reached out to Mike a few weeks ago and he graciously agreed to talk to me on the show. And again, I think it's a wonderful talk about his creative process, but how it's been impacted by social media, technology. So you can find Mike's band basically anywhere on YouTube, Instagram, Geographer Music, on Facebook. He's doing these live streams every Monday night, and he has a new single that just came out called Alibi. I get the sense he's putting out singles every month until he releases a record later this year, but I've been a huge fan of his for quite a while. And all the music that you listen to today on the show is is his band, Geographer. And, and it's funny, I, I listen to his music pretty regularly, but wow, I didn't realize or maybe I was reminded of how incredible of a voice he has. The notes that he can hit, the high registers, the, the falsetto, beautiful. He's an amazing piano player, guitar player, and, and I, I'm not just saying all this stuff because he was on my show. I've been a huge fan of his band for years, so um, just thrilled that I was able to talk to him and talk about music and just hear his perspective. So again, if you if you enjoy the show, please give it a review, head over to iTunes, give it a five star, share the show with your friends. That stuff is very helpful. You can find out about me on my website, iameddiecone.com. Join the newsletter. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm also a musician. I've got some music that I'm working on that I'm hoping to release by the end of the year. So all of that can be found at iameddiecone.com. And thank you to Mike for taking the time to talk to me again. All the music today on today's show is from Mike and his band, Geographer. And that's it. As always, thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. appreciate you doing this yeah yeah um just really quickly i first found out about you 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 played a show at the getty center probably like 10 12 years ago yeah yeah right so i I remember that one that was a good one yeah it was it was really good and and the song kaleidoscope just really sort of like oh nice that was definitely the song that that got me into your whole world so um, oh awesome yeah so i you know my podcast you know, I'm a musician. I'm a DJ, a yoga teacher. I'm a, you know, I'm a writer, mm-hmm. and of course, I I like technology. You know, I I use it all the time, um, but I do. I'm very struck by how 
Napster originally and Spotify and technology have really impacted, in my mind, the creative arts. And mm-hmm. and it's yeah. and so I, I'm you know my podcast has talk, taken many sort of levels, but that really was sort of the originator. And while Netflix on the surface may seem like this really wonderful, easy, easily accessible platform that we can all use, I I know it's impacting the way people write. Uh, how shows yeah. how shows are created. So I don't want to. I don't know how far back we need to go, but do you have a sense in your own life where you got the sense that social media and technology was impacting or shifting the way you live your life or create? Yeah, I mean, pretty early on, it affected the way I create. Just because I, I started making music for real around the torrenting heyday. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, my friends would tell me, hey, your new album, Myth, at the time, is on torrents. Congratulations. You know, it was like, <laughs> that was like the new billboard chart, was whether or not you were, your album was getting stolen a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not that your album is getting sold a lot, it's that it's getting stolen. And I always felt like, you know, I torrented and uh, I thought it was incredible. You know, it was just like such a great way to know what music was and, and to just get your hands on as much music as possible, not really worry about what was worth 20 bucks or not, you know? Right. And so that way you would spend, well, you wouldn't spend anything, but you would you would take in more freely. And I think that did help expand a lot of people's careers. Um mine included, you know, but it also did really weird things to music. Like the kid a that I got when it came out, um, was very different than the actual album that I own now. You know, it's like, it had 10 extra songs on it that were like just Tom York singing in a church. And it had a different version of, um, is that exit music for a film? The one White Wine and Sleeping Pills helped me get with the last song on the... No, exit, exit music was on That's okay, on OK, okay Computer. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, yeah. there was a different version of one of the songs. And so I was like in love with this album that wasn't the album that they made. You know, So that's, that's what you give up when, when you demand things for free is that, you know, sure, the gatekeepers are no longer in control of what you decide to buy, but then you also don't get the product that the artist intended sometimes or, but the worst part is the effect that it has on the artist who's no longer getting revenue from albums is like, I think we've seen albums decline in quality pretty steadily since. Wow. Well, sometimes I feel like, um, I'm sort of on an Island and and this isn't you know and if and if anybody criticizes anything nowadays they're just you know they're just lumped as a hater and and I do think if the quality of art is better we we yeah. we all benefit from that oh i agree yeah. and i have noticed that i don't think i mean of course there's exceptions parasite joker um succession i'm just giving examples of film and television but um, I, I just I've noticed the quality of, of film and music just isn't what it used to be. And I guess my question for you is, is I, and I'm making a record right now. 
And I'm wondering if, if bands and artists think to themselves, well, nobody's going to pay for this. So why should I put that much energy into it? I mean, I don't know. What, what, do, you, yeah. what do you think? No, it does feel silly. You know, it's like, um, yeah, you, you're working so hard on a product that is not going to make you any money. And that feels really dumb. And then, <laughs> and then, but you do it because you love it and you always have. And I've seen the music industry sort of prey upon that aspect of artists' personalities where you know, they know that they'll do it no matter what, you know, they don't give you money to go out and buy cool clothes and like, uh, make a great video, but they're like, Hey, if you want to be, if you want to be a successful musician, you're going to have to look good and you're going to have to have cool videos. So you like do the best you can and you just pay for it with your own money and you find other ways to make money, which is very strange because it's like, you know, you don't, have someone go to work in an office and then say, make your money elsewhere, but come here every day and work really hard. And it's funny because the, a lot of the stuff that does make your money, like a song you write for TV or something or, or another artist, it's, you know, it's still fun, but it's not your main purpose, but then that funds your main purpose. So then it kind of makes you feel like a hobbyist because you're just like, right. Okay, but that's what every everybody loves it just as much and they listen to it just as much. You just don't get paid for it. So I think what it does for me is it it makes I record completely differently than I did in the beginning. Like in the beginning, it wasn't like we were rolling in dough in the beginning, you know, but there still was an allotted budget for the album that you yeah. get from a label. And uh, because the label knew they would make that back. So then I would still frugally work out all the parts in my rehearsal space beforehand, block off like a 12 day chunk in a studio and just do the whole album. But you know, those tools are very different than the tools I use now. So it's basically like the difference between watercolors and oil paints and acrylics. It's like neither one is worse than the other, but I'm using, I'm recording more at home and in project studios now because that's necessitated rather than a, a choice that I want to make. You know, like what I want to do as an artist is like, you know, book a recording studio for a month and, and get session players and, and just do whatever flights of fancy are in my head. But yeah, instead, you know, I'm, I'm basically record the whole album at home until I can't, until I'm like, ah, I hit a wall or, well I, well, I don't know how to do this or I can't play the violin. And then I take it to a studio, like basically the cheapest, best one I can find, or you work out like a back end deal. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not as recording used to be the most fun, the most exhilarating. And now it's sort of like, now writing is the most fun because recording is sort of like, yeah, it's cool, but there's no longer that excitement of being in a studio, which is this, legendary experience you know that you dreamed of your whole life and now you're just like in front of your laptop so it's not as glamorous you know absolutely yeah and, and 
you know, there's a couple of things I'm thinking. Sorry if you see that I'm sort of my one. Of, it's so funny. My cats like sleep all day, but I, I teach yoga class. <laughs> I teach yoga classes on Zoom, and then when I do these podcasts, one of my cats just like has to come into the room. It's like he that's that's how cats roll. Yeah, he wants to be <laughs> on television. So I, I I do think of that documentary where they talk. Um, it was Jimmy Page and um, Jack. I'm suddenly forgetting the guy. Oh, it might get loud. Yes. And yeah. there's this scene where Jimmy Page is talking about where they, you know, rented this house and and recorded the drums in this huge hall for when the levee breaks. And I, I do think about like those days of renting a house for two, three, four months. And you're right, there is this certain energy of being in an actual recording studio. I mean, I was in Jackson Brown studio years ago uh, in Santa Monica and and I look, I love using Apple Logic for two hundred dollars to be able to do what I do is it's pretty fucking cool. But I think Yeah. <laughs> there's just those days of those sweeping, beautifully engineered and recorded records, and I'm not lamenting that I have it bad right now, but but I do I don't think people really appreciate the work, the time, the process of recording this this beautifully landscaped piece of work yeah but also people don't want that kind of music right now hmm. like I, I i've sort of been percolating on a theory that uh people don't even want finely crafted songs with beautiful lyrics that will linger and they can listen to that song over and over again like all summer they just want something that is like will quickly fill an itch they can scratch and then it's important that it's not a meaty meal so that then they can eat again almost immediately something else. Kind of like Netflix. You know, you know when you're like, I just want you, – you ever hear your friends say, I just want to have like a light, sure. a light snack here. Like I want to watch something I don't have to watch. I want to watch something I can put on in the background. And Spotify just – openly is the the best way to get streamed on Spotify now is basically to make background music, you know? And so you kind of feel like a double idiot for wanting to create something that nobody really is asking for, but that's like why you started making music. So I think, I don't know which came first though, you know, is like the, was the um, economic necessity, did that precipitate the lack of desire just because it wasn't being made? And so, now anybody with a laptop that makes like a simple catchy song becomes like a huge star, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, uh, and then the people who try to do more than that, it's kind of like a Don Quixote vibe where they're just like, yo, no one's, no one needs you to do that. Just like make a nice, cute, simple song, but it's not very stimulating, you know? Cause you want to make, yeah, it's like, uh, being a, you want to make beautiful paintings, but people just want portraits. It's nothing new, really. You know, it's like, I, I feel like all throughout history, you could find examples of artists in every medium that, you know, they wanted to do the purest form of the art, but then in order to make ends meet and to give people what they want, because not everybody is extremely discerning. They just sort of like did what they saw as lesser versions of their art form.
Every step is moving me up 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 This is hell, walk on the moon This is hell I don't know if I, I guess you're right, but sometimes I I think to myself, did social media bring this all out in us? I I I, right. I think about um you know master class is a big thing right now people when i had a guest on who said you know people are still willing to pay for knowledge but I, i'm waiting for the day where somebody figures out how to pirate master classes on the cloud and then will people um just steal those i mean do, do people did people never really did, did people feel like they were getting ripped off when they were spending 15 dollars a record or did, like were they were they resenting that? And then when Napster came along, they were like, "Yeah, this we just, we never should have paid money for it anyway." Or do people sort of like this idea of stealing in a weird sort of way, like getting something yeah. for free? Oh, I, I think it's. I don't think there's anything nefarious in it. I think people were just like, "Wait, I can have all music for free?" It's <laughs> like, of course, you know. But about Masterclass, like, I actually think Masterclass is kind of a scam because those people <laughs> are not good teachers. Yeah. Like, they, yes, there's pearls of wisdom, but those are like, I don't know, those people are good doers. You know, the old adage of those who can't do teach is not actually pejorative. It's, if you flip it, it's like, just because you can do doesn't mean you can teach. Like teaching, you have to be as good at teaching as they are at doing, you know? Yeah. So anytime anyone's like, I want to learn piano, should I take the Herbie Hancock <laughs> Masterclass, which is a, a particularly incomprehensible one, I'm just like, <laughs> take like a $15 online course from some quote unquote, you know, unimportant person who's a great teacher. But I think like, yeah, the, 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 the idea that technology always improves life is so dangerous. And I just saw that Elon Musk has now um, not announced, but it's like it seems like it's going to happen that we're going to have chips in our brains where we can listen to music without headphones. And it's like, okay, so I'm not on board for that. We're going to have computer computers in our brains, and then if the virus is in your brain, you know, it's like think about all the crazy stuff that happens to our computers, then that can happen to us. And it's just like this has been happening for a really long time where the technology does not – it makes our lives worse. Like this thing, this little black rectangle that I have – makes my life horrible. It hurts my neck. It ruins my social skills. It's like fills me with useless information 
the technology serves itself. Like we are serving technology. Technology is not serving us. It's like the algorithms that they that they use to give us quote unquote what we want. It's yeah. just like okay, you know. And I know, I know we're living in um, a world where we don't have real desires or real personalities. You know, it's like we've always been advertised to ever since human beings were advertised to, which I would say has been way long before billboards were a thing. It's just like, he's tough, follow him, you know? It's like, ever since we were advertised to, we've lost our sense of self, and, and but never more so than now, where it's just like, oh, he looks at this post, we'll show him more posts like that. And you're just like, where's the, where's, where do I fit into all this? Where can I grow? So nobody's growing. You're really, you're preaching, you're like literally summarizing the theme of my show because I, <laughs> I, I talk about this. I, I do think we're becoming robots. I mean, I don't think you and I potentially are, hopefully not, but I do think most people are so easily manipulated and just yeah. br- and brainwashed and willing to sit on their chair for six, seven hours and just scroll for hours. And and then if Insta- yeah. if Instagram and Netflix are feeding you more of what you're already getting. I do think it's why we're actually becoming more polarized than ever before. And and if you bring up anything that somebody disagrees with, people are incapable of uh, of listening to you because they have no idea how to hear another point of view without freaking out or getting upset. Right. Yeah, cuz we're not used to a forum vibe. Like we're just used to sending out our thought into the ether. And then waiting to receive someone else's rebuttal. And I also think that, you know, everything that social media creators say is good about their product. Like they say, oh, well, you can get in touch with anyone anywhere they are in the world at any time. And it's like, oh, is that good? That's a bad thing, you know, except in cases of emergency. You know, it's like we're living in a state of emergency because these things that they say are good are only good in extreme cases and like anyone can make their voice heard like is that good you know is it good that anyone can have their thoughts spread to the whole world do we trust your average citizen that much i mean yeah i've i've had some i'm starting to feel very negative towards this idea of free speech and and just in the sense that Anybody could go onto Twitter or Facebook, Facebook, and say whatever they want. Um, yeah. And look, I, I and just this idea that you know, I know I reached out to you via Instagram, and I don't know how many times do you get a lot of people that just randomly reach out to you, and do you read their messages, or do you decide yeah. not to? No, I re- well, yeah, I read, I read them all for <laughs> sure. Do you, um, do you ever like open like? Yeah, I make the decision based off of just like I'm just like okay, this person's not to be trusted or this person's normal. Yeah. I just, I make that decision, you know, of like, okay, but, but also Instagram has a general category and a primary category. Right. And so you're just like, you're going into general and then I can keep my friends, the the people who I want to see their posts. But like my Instagram's a mess, you know, it's like, I don't use it. I don't use it for enjoyment. It's, it's really just, a way for me to reach out to my fans and show them, show them who I am. It's like my people magazine, you know, it's like, cause, uh, it's my way to basically just like show what I'm all about and, and just like show people what I think and, 
and tell them when I have songs going on, but I don't use the explore function for any amount of joy, you know, <laughs> like my engagement is not joyful. I, I, I really prefer calling people or texting people. Yeah. Though I find that I do have a lot of relationships that exist, like true relationships where they are really my friends, but mostly we only just talk on Instagram. And that's fine. I mean, it's going to become a part of our lives. And there's no denying there's no denying free speech is the right way to go, but I think we've seen that it's not it's not like a cut and dry issue. You know, like every time you hear about um like a fascist organization getting getting airtime, it's just so very disturbing. And then you know, well, okay, if we cut their airtime, then we can't cut, or then we have to cut, you know, a good organization's airtime. I don't know. I think free speech is a good idea, but the but I do think having gatekeepers is not the worst idea either, where it's like they can, they can speak to their people, like you can have your rally and you can talk, you know, so that you don't resort to violence, which is, I think, what happens when people's voices are silenced. Um, but I don't think you should be able to send your thoughts to my mom on Facebook, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's so scary because no one knows what to believe, especially in a time like this where information has never been more important, you know? And basically, yeah, our country is at a point where it could just fall right into the sea because of misinformation. Like, no one's mind is going to be able to be changed. I don't know what it was like in the past, you know, where, like, it's not as if media was wasn't always controlled by some rich person. I like, you know, you bring up this word gatekeeper and I, again, I, I talk about it a lot and I, I even equate it to like record labels having an A&R guy. Um, I, I'd like to trust that NBC had a producer that, you know, has good morals and sort of is trying to get the best, most quality information out there 15, 20 years ago. And the A&R guy that worked at Columbia Records, you know, he had a good ear. She had a good ear. And now those people are eliminated. And mm -hmm. I, I do think that's another reason why 
you know, everybody sort of gets to choose for themselves, but I don't think we're really good decision makers. And then, yeah. And especially like no offense to, to, uh, teenagers, but hmm. you know, they're, they're not the most discerning among our population a lot of the time. And I think a lot of the algorithms are driven by like quite, quite young people just being like, this is what I like. And it's like, okay, great. Cause I feel like Teenagers are always going to like what they like, and they, they're always like a cult fan base, and they keep art and industry moving forward. But I don't know that the industry needs to then listen to that voice and decide that that's the only product that they're going to put out. But I think the bottom line is just, you know, everybody needs to survive in, in an industry where not a lot of money is coming in from the product that's being made. And so... I mean, labels and DSPs, they're all just trying to survive, basically. So they're just like, well, these people are buying music, so let's just make more of this. Hmm. Are, you, yeah. are you on a label right now? Uh, no, I, I have a, just a distribution deal. And so how has yeah, – I was thinking about misinformation, but, but um, I just – my brain started to go towards – you know, you put out a record and then you ideally want a tour. And now that yeah. I, I'm hearing that might be uh, on hold till 2022. Uh, yeah, that's, wow. I know that's the last story I heard. And, and I guess the one silver lining, as much as I still think it sucks that people don't pay for music, you know, if you do have somewhat of a following, at least, you know, you go and promote the, the record and people go to the yeah. show. But now that's, gone so i know what what is giving you um I, I do you think about this stuff a lot or do you just try to ignore and just create or you know what's giving you hope that this is gonna sort itself out <laughs> or, and, and well, I, <laughs> not much is giving me hope i just think like yeah it, it it's been a fascinating journey uh, inner journey for me to clock the difference between my music dreams, which I did just straight up achieve, you know, I, I achieved my dreams, which is very rare. Obviously I had bigger and bigger dreams, but I, I was able to be a, and am able to be a musician that people care about what I make, you mm -hmm. know? And that's a, a very privileged position to be in. But I think like, I've noticed that my passion for it has gone through these peaks and valleys where it's like, well, but all this. And I think what really happened is I took a huge hit mentally when I released Ghost Modern, which was my previous full length. I mean, that was in 2015, where I, I poured my whole heart and soul into that and all the money that I had. And I was on a label and it just it just sort of just whispered, you know, it was like people loved it and people really liked it. But I, I was just like, this effort does not equal what you get, what, what you get from it. You know, it's like, I'm, I just felt like I was, I would wear myself down to a nub without the encouragement that I was used to coming back because I don't know. It's like, you can, you can only get so much fulfillment in this particular job uh if like just from yourself just from 
the fact that you love making music and you love making artistic statements. You love writing lyrics and like finding new sounds and stuff. That's all well and good, but that's like a small part of the job. Like a huge part of the job is, is like being a sort of like, I don't know, lightning rod for people's emotions and and Mm. feelings and dreams and hopes, you know? So when that's what you're doing, but it's not, it's not happening that really starts to make you feel like a loser really quickly. Like you're just like, what am I doing? Like, am I, am I kidding myself? Why am I putting this much effort into this when it seems like you just don't have to, you know? So then I, after basically like the couple EPs I released after that were sort of me rebuilding my psyche from like that huge crash of what I saw as a tremendous, failure of my hopes um did the label then, did the label try were they supportive did they like the record were they all in for touring or not like none the of label loved the record but but it just wasn't selling so yeah. that's the only way the label makes money you know like i could make money out on tour i could make money through merch but the only way they made money is if it sold records. So they were very reluctant to spend the necessary capital to tell people that the record even existed, you know? And it's like, you can't really blame them because why should they spend money that they're just not going to make back? Yeah. But in order to put someone at the place where people are like, you are awesome. I love your music. I can't wait for your next record where they're sort of in for good, you know? you have to spend an exorbitant amount of money. It's obscene, you know? I mean, I think I think a good example is Halsey, basically, where I don't know if you remember, like, maybe five years ago, there was sort of like, why are you got, who is this person? Like, why, why are people shoving this person in our faces? And then you see that it just works. You know, it's like she has talent, and she... She's a pop star, whether or not she was popular then or not. But it's like they had to spend so much money to make the world decide, yes, okay, Halsey it is, you know? And I think that's the sad truth is like unless you're fish, um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it really just takes so much capital and there just isn't any. So then – you just have to rearrange your goals and it's sad to let your dreams die, you know, yeah. where like I no longer dream about being like one of the biggest, most celebrated musicians in the world. And I used to, you know, it's like and I think the strength of that dream was the only thing that made me survive the just shame gauntlet that you have to go through as an indie musician. And I was just like, I don't care. I'm going to be uh, the next like Bruce Springsteen or Tom York or something. And I truly believed that. But now I, I, I just don't. I'm just like, you know, I think I make fantastic music and I think I have a lot to say and a lot to offer the world. And and I'm going to keep making it until it just becomes really stupid you know, <laughs> to, to keep doing it. Yeah. Because I know, you know, I get a lot of positive feedback from my fans and it's great, but there's that professional satisfaction that you don't really get unless you are operating at a very high level where you're like playing all the big festivals and 
and your albums being written about by the big publications. You know, that's something that never happened for me. And in that tiny window between torrenting and Spotify, I was able to just sort of like spread in this underground grassroots way that I think was through colleges, basically. Mm, yeah. And so pe- like around animal shapes and myth and people, people just shared my music with their friends, you know, and now all those people are my fans, but it's like, you know, I've grown older, they've grown older. I, I don't necessarily know that I appeal that much to to the 18-year-old mindset. You know, I'm singing about uh, death and like the loss of 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 one's sense of self. You know, I, I don't know. It's yeah. like I don't want to cater to, I just, I don't want to do the Weezer thing, you know, which I think is a fine way to go if you just like, want to make money and play music and great. And it's harder to do than it looks. Not anybody can just decide to write a teenage pop song, but that just doesn't interest me. And if it did, I'd do it. But like, it's just kind of sad because it feels like what interests me is getting less and less lucrative as time goes on. Yeah. said a couple of things that I uh, resonated with and I, I remember first of all I, I think it's important for people to get a grasp I always felt like people everybody needs to be a server for like a year of their life just to understand yeah. how difficult it is to be a, a, a server waiter waitress and right. then and then again like I have a buddy just put out a record a, a few weeks ago and you know he he worked on a song for like a year, and and I I've got a couple songs that I've worked on for a year, and and you know you work on it for weeks, months, years. Uh, it can co- one song can cost a couple thousand dollars, and and you know that right. it comes out on Spotify on Friday, and and just people just gobble it up, and yeah, and I just think there needs to be an understanding, and maybe I'm just naive, and this will never happen. Uh, towards the creative process, what it takes to put a movie together, what it takes to 
create an album because I think people are just, and, and I do blame Napster sort of for being the originator and then Netflix is taking over and then Apple Plus and I, there needs to be an understanding of the process of, of creativity. Yeah, I mean, because it is a labor of love. You know, it's like human beings just love making things for whatever reason, you know, whether it's that they can't stand to look at beauty without knowing that they contributed to it or if it's just in our nature to just create. I mean, people people will do it whether they get paid to or not. But I mean, if you're, you know, it, it, there's no other industry where like, you know, I go to the grocery store and I'm just like, yo, let me grab this. And then <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. Like you got to pay me for that. <laughs> you know, it's like, and you think the quality won't go down. Like, let's say we made milk free, right? <laughs> or, or you could get a milk subscription for $5 a month. You get all the milk you want. It's like, you don't think that people in a capitalist society would start cutting production corners and costs. Yeah. So that they can meet the demand and stay afloat. And it's just like, basically, we have, have like uh, GMO music right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was also thinking, yeah. I remember going to a Pearl Jam concert at LA Sports Arena. And I saw you too at Staples Center. And, and you're right. The lead singer, you know, artists... You know, I wasn't at Coachella, but I saw Beyonce on the Netflix show. I mean, they do have the power to transcend and, and create change. And Eddie, mm -hmm. Eddie Vedder was on stage, and I swear to God, he 20,000 wild fans, but it, it he controlled that room. And there is this certain power that a lead singer can have from a band where yeah, it's it's... If it's in the right hands, I do feel like, and I guess Pearl Jam has been pretty successful in creating some change in the world, which is great. But I, I think there's a lot that an artist possesses that, again, I think people mm -hmm. just sort of take for granted, where it, they, they can literally change the way people think. And then my concern now is, is because yeah. everybody's attention span is so fucked up right now that, again, that's, again, why I think we are sort of in this predicament right now. It just, you can't get anybody's attention for more than like a day or two. Yeah, it's true. There, there was also, not that all the lead singers of the past were good people or did their job really well, but I do think that there's something to be said for like being prepared to shoulder the burden of mm -hmm. being that focus for people. Because like if you just get plucked out of your bedroom, because you made a cool song and then all of a sudden people are like, I love you. I want to kill you. You know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a hard experience versus like, you know, Beyonce working her entire life and, and making every step of the way, you know what I mean? It's like, of course, you know, to use her as an example, she's very one of a kind, but it's, we have different, we have different, rock stars now than we used to i guess which is like i don't know if that's better or if it's worse honestly it's like there is something to be said for just like the fact that just like a regular old dork can be like a huge star and I i'm down for that i think that's great you know um yeah 
I don't know who's yeah. who's a rock star right now. All I can think about is like Cardi B or Billie Eilish or something, and I I don't I don't know who is who is. Oh a, yeah, I mean uh, yeah, Post Malone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's simply it is very strange. It, it's <laughs> like uh, yeah, I would imagine the only the only industry that is more so like this probably is fine art. Right. Like that must be such a fucked up industry where you're just like, I want to make something beautiful, but it's all about just being cool and like who can get into a gallery and all this stuff must be so frustrating. You mentioned something about and I was surprised negative um, comments or questionable comments about Netflix. Were you always were you on board with with Netflix and did you always think I like Netflix when you could get any DVD you wanted sent to your house? Yeah, through me. I watched so many good movies. But now, you know, every night I'm I'm stuck here in my house. At first I was incredibly productive. I didn't watch anything for the first two months. I was just making stuff. But then the malaise set in real good. And Mm -hmm. I was like all right, time to start watching. And you do a a sweep through all the streaming services and you don't find anything you want to watch, right? Then you look at like, well, I can rent a movie. And you're like, ooh, four bucks, really? When when I could watch a cornucopia of (laughs) uh, mediocre entertainment. And a lot of times you're just like, I'll just go with this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's... uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's not a a direct analog to music because, you know, I can listen to Paul Simon on Spotify. But, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to force yourself to choose the higher form of art, the more intellectually stimulating, the more soul enriching movie even over the bright, shiny entertainment that's just going to be like a little piece of candy that goes through you. Um, yeah, it's like uh, we're just oversalting our food a little bit. Did you? But it's it's. Do you know, do you know Dave Eggers, the writer? Yeah, <laughs> you look like him a little bit. First of all, but <laughs> no, he, he 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 referred to technology and social media as basically just like corn syrup and salt. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. Um, how could we resist? I mean, my God, I'm I'm railing against this stuff. As soon as this is over, I'm probably just gonna fall into my phone for an hour. It's just like we can't help it, and you can't resist. You, you can't resist technology, or you'll be like a psycho. You know, it's yeah. like imagine everyone walking around with chips in their brains, talking to each other without a microphone or earphones, and you're like, no. They're like, Mike, you still use a smartphone? I mean, I held out as long as I could with a flip phone until it was basically like my actual life was suffering. Right. <laughs> you know? It's like you can't because especially I'm I mean, I'm so detached from what it's like to be a teenager now, but but from what the few teenagers I do know, their whole lives are online. And and that's a true extension of yourself. Like that is as much a part of yourself as your hand is, you know, is like your online presence and your phone. And while that's dangerous and concerning, I mean, it is real, you know. So 
I think it's pretty clear that unless there's a catastrophe of even greater proportions, humanity is just going to get more and more just embroiled in the simulacrum. And we're just going to be further and further removed from our core. And But we really are going to exist online, you know? It's like real, true life things can happen to a person online. Like their life can be ruined. Their life can be like their fortunes can be changed for the better. It, it's real. Yeah. I was I'll, a couple more things and I'll let you go. Are you okay with time? Oh yeah. I, you know, you, I watched the show euphoria on HBO and it was mm. powerful. So yeah. And I think it really depicts the struggle of, living two lives, your, your, your social media technology life, and then your real life. And they, they are two entities. And unfortunately, more mm -hmm. people are spending time on the social media world as opposed to the face-to-face -face analog world. Yeah. And, I, and you bring up a really interesting point. And, and I, I have this podcast, and I, I do often speak. I have guests, but then sometimes I speak my mind. And, and I do worry that you know, I think part of the reason why people are scared to say anything now is because you could your life could be ruined, and you yeah. you see it happening. And and I read this. I have this band coming on my show called Stevenson Ranch Davidians in a couple of weeks, <laughs> and and one of them posted something like, you know, it it's very possible to be cautious, wear a mask, but also kind of question what's going on right now because you know and. And I don't want to go too down. We'll, we'll go as far as you want to talk about it. But, you know, I've just found this whole thing to be to be odd and, pecu and peculiar. I I read a lot about it, and I'm still kind of in shock of what the fuck's going on. And Yeah, no, I, I fully believe that coronavirus is real, and it's a real threat, and everybody should wear their masks so we can get rid of it. You know, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't buy into any conspiracy theories about it. But I do think that, you know, the, obviously the way the government handling it is, is handling it is horrible. I think my concern, it's, though, is that we were already addicted. I, and I agree with you. I think there is a virus. I think it is real. But I think everything we've talked about, people's terrible attention span, people responding to fear, people addicted to their phones, people not really thinking for themselves, the reaction to this thing. And, and I look or people are, I don't know if our lives are ever going to look like they did before this. People are so people are more addicted to their phones. People are yeah. scared to be around one another now. Yeah. Um, so, well, I was always scared of people, but now they can actually <laughs> kill me. So <laughs> just by talking to me. <laughs> yeah. I, it's been interesting for me cause I am and um, obviously I'm an extrovert cause I, I go on stage, but I'm definitely quite, introverted and shy as well but basically because i'm just like i'm just scared of just interacting with people so it's been a very fascinating thing for me to be like well i don't know this isn't so hard for me to stay in my house you know because i'm just like at least i'm not experiencing crippling social anxiety but then even i someone who feels that way out you know after like just weeks in here i'll just feel like god i'd love to see another human being but I think I'm very, I'm, I am at peace with the fact that like, I, I know what we have to do 
and I, I follow my own conscience. I mean, whenever I get a piece of information from the internet, I research it myself. And people don't, not a lot of people do that. And, and research is imperfect, right? But like, there are just things I've decided to trust, like the New York Times, the World Health Organization. I trust those things. I've decided to trust that. And I know that there are people who trust the opposing viewpoints just as much as I trust mine. And like, I don't know. I like, I don't know what to do about that. I do think that if we had strong, trustworthy leadership, we'd be in such a better position. We would be able to sort through the wackiness and we'd be able to be like, okay, this is overkill. This is absolutely essential to do. And I think that's, I don't think we can underestimate the power of that. Like there's our, what is supposed to center us all is you, you like to think of like, you know, how could who the president is matter to like people's daily lives. But I think it's very, it is really important. A leader, it's like a, a trickle down thought process and it, it matters because people do just want to be led. There's a lot of people that just want to be led, you know? And yeah, it's definitely terrifying. I'm, I'm, I'm very disturbed with people's actions, but I'm not surprised, you know, it's like when, when someone goes into a grocery store without a mask and then they, they say that they, they don't have to wear one. You're just like, okay, well, okay. You know, you want to believe them. You want to say, yes, you have a medical condition where you can't wear a mask, but then you got to find some other way to, to work through it. You know, you can't just be like, hi, um, I'm going to give you a deadly disease now and you're going to wake up in two weeks intubated with a respirator in your throat and you're, you'll never be the same. You know, it's like, I don't know. I, I know that we like freedom. We don't like being told what to do, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to do what you, ha you just have to be, it's about caring for your fellow person. Right. And it's like, that's how I look at it. Every time I put a mask on when I go outside and I'm lucky cause I don't have a medical condition that makes it hard for me to wear a mask. Um, but every time I go outside, I'm doing it for the people around me because the thing doesn't even protect you. It just protects other people from you and you don't know if you have it. And it's just, I don't know, but I do think it is easy for me cause I am a cautious person by nature. I'm a nervous person by nature. Right. You know, uh, uh, I think a lot of people are really fucked up right now. Um, but I think, and again, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, I just, I think to myself, and I, I read the New York Times, and I used to respect them a lot more. I, was, I read a quote from Kevin Hart where, you know, if all you read or if all the re media reports is bad, that's what people are going to believe. And there is this strange, I think, occurrence that happens. And if you look at the headlines primarily, it's just like rolling numbers of deaths, new cases, numbers like surge and hot spots. And I, I don't know if there's anybody, I, I guess... I think to myself, if this was even a conscious, um, it, again, I can go down this conspiracy theory world, which I don't want to do, but knowing how fucked up people's attention spans are, I do feel like the only way people were going to accept what's going on or even think about it is if it's just pounded over the head 
of people? Because mm-hmm. I do think we've had terrible things happening for hundreds of years. I just read a book about yeah. I just read a book about swimming where 300,000 people die every year from drowning across the world. And I think mm-hmm. of, I think to myself, you know, if if the media focused on something like they're doing this, I I'm curious the paralysis that I see culturally happening. I'm mm-hmm. I'm really worried about um and not yeah. even, not even just I guess I've said this before. There's innate risks just by waking up every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person that's wearing a mask and going through the McDonald's drive through they're going to cling to their mask like it's – but meanwhile, they're drinking Coca-Cola every day and having hamburgers mm-hmm. every day. I mean, like we, we pick and choose, I guess, every single day. But it just right. – it kind of does feel like the world is just – said that we this is more important than everything else and i i guess i get a little concerned about that i don't know yeah i think it's i think it has to be looked at as like um you know things we do to ourselves that harm ourselves like drinking soda or not exercising or like swimming those are personal things that we do to ourselves versus like something we can do to another person. Like, I, I don't think it's ever been in my lifetime. Certainly it's never been easier for an average citizen to just kill their neighbor without meaning to, you know, like if I talk, if, if I have COVID-19 and I talk to somebody that I love in an enclosed environment, I can kill them. And I think it's like, yeah, there are disease. There's even diseases out there that kill more people. But right now, this is like an important thing to curb for the whole world, you know? And it's like until we can have a vaccine of this and incorporate it into probably every flu season, it's just going to be like, oh, did you get COVID? Yeah, I got it. But I I took the pills, you know? But until that happens, it's like I, I feel like we have a responsibility to the other human beings that we share the planet with to do everything we can to keep them safe. And I would hope that other people would feel the same way. Um, yeah, as far as media focus, it's like, yeah, obviously that's unhealthy and there's headlines and they got a bottom line too. And it's like sensationalized and everything about our society is unhealthy and <laughs> needs to change, you know? Yeah. And you just got to try to find the vein of what you believe to be truth and try to stay open you know, while not getting sucked into it. And it's, it's a real challenge. What happened uh, two months in, it, it's weird. Like I, I, I felt really creative here. I mean, that's been one hugely big positive with this whole experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had just finished writing a book a couple months ago, and and suddenly just the music thing that I sort of put on a hiatus to finish this book for the last couple of years, it's just suddenly like been a huge part of my life. It's just been amazing. So mm-hmm. I do get the sense that there's people out there that are having those similar experiences, and it felt like I, you didn't really talk about what you were creating, but what was, mm. what was going on those first couple months? And then 
did some what shifted where are you just not really feeling inspired to write music right now or what's going on no i'm definitely in, still inspired but not as like i was extra inspired when it first started because i was like okay like i'm a realist all right i gotta stay in my house for two weeks no problem i can handle that i got all my synthesizers and i just i just threw myself into just like, okay, I'm going to unplug no distractions and make the most of this. I'm going to come out of this stronger, you know, with more knowledge, et cetera. I started doing yoga, did yoga every day, which is something I always wanted to do. Wouldn't dream of doing it right now. You know, it's like, <laughs> I basically was like, okay, so I can either come out of this weaker or stronger and I choose stronger. And I was making Ambi- an ambient song every day. I was making a lot of music videos, just like shooting them here, writing tons of new music for what will be my next album, uh, reading a lot, watching Criterion Collection movies, doing <laughs> yoga, eating healthy, um, and exercising a lot. And then I think the change happened for me when I realized how long it was going to be. Right. Like When I realized that it was going to be like maybe a year and a half until this lifestyle was over. You know, when you go to bed and you don't have anything to look forward to, particularly the next day, nothing bad is going to happen to you. You're just going to do the same thing you've always done. But when you don't have something to look forward to, I think that's what hurts people a lot. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, and that's where they're mentally, they start to go downhill is just like, you need a reason to get up in the morning. And without that reason, you'll stay up till five and you'll wake up at one, you know, cause it's like, what's the difference? It doesn't matter. Um, and only the absolute strongest among us can just say, no, nope. early to bed, early to rise for no reason at all. <laughs> other than to just like maintain my fitness until this is over. Um, yeah, I don't know. Humans are are bizarrely adaptable too. It's it's it will be interesting to see. I mean, we've already just adapted to this lifestyle so quickly of just like living on our phones and you know, it's like yeah, yeah it's it's very strange. I saw you but, were do I saw you were doing like Facebook um, live concerts. Are you still doing that? Yeah, I do do a live stream every single Monday without fail. And I think that's helped me, me a ton. I know it helps my fans and they really look forward to it, but it really helps me too to track the time because a, a week will go by and I'll be like, what? It's Sunday. I have to live stream tomorrow. Wow. Okay. I got to learn like four new songs because I try to play four new songs every week. I'm, tr- I'm trying to play every single song from my catalog that people are requesting. So that means a lot of deep cuts that I've never played or like B-sides. So yeah, it keeps me busy and it helps me track time. And all those things are oddly important. Like circadian rhythm is really important for people's well-being. It's, yeah, this is so weird. <laughs> it really is. It's, it really is so strange. Yeah. Yeah. I I. I I'm, I think I'm like you. I I, I have an extroverted uh, part of my personality. I, I DJ and I like to perform, but I I certainly like being inside, and I'm introverted. How how is it up in San Francisco? Is it? Are you still? Well, up I'm there? in L, I'm in L A. Actually. Oh, I thought you were up in San yeah. Francisco. 
I lived there for a really long time, but okay. I had recently moved. Here. Oh, well, how do you like it down here? I didn't realize you were here. Oh, yeah. I love it so much. I mean, it's such a stimulating place. It's it's weird to be here during this time because the whole point of L.A. is like leaving your house. <laughs> right. And, you know? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm very happy with, with it here. The music industry or the music scene here is just like really vibrant. Um, you know, I, I'm still very connected to the, to the San Francisco music scene, but it's just cool to be attached to a new one after a long time, you yeah. know, and just see new opportunities, meet new people. And I also like how the, everything sort of revolves around movies and TV down here. Yeah. And I love movies and, and I love TV shows and it's pretty stimulating when I've been able to be a part of that. It's just like a whole new avenue of, of a way to make music. And it's, it's really cool. Cool. No, I, I, how, how long have you been down here for? Uh, maybe two years. Okay, so but no, that's cool. I'm happy you're down here. I yeah. th I love it out here. This is I think it's, yeah. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um. Well, my, I'm gonna play some music of, of yours throughout the show. I hope that's okay. Oh, cool. Of yeah. course. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time and talk about the the, the insanity of, of yeah, technology and sort of what's going on. It's it it means a lot that you took the time. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, of course. Have a uh, great rest of your week for sure. Thank you so much. Okay, awesome. You too. Hang uh, in there. Thanks, dude. You too. Bye. Bye. So we 
Yeah.